Please join me in our prayer for illumination to Almighty God, our Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Helper of all who seek you and our eternal guide, as we journey through this life, shine your light on our path. Show us your will through the sacred scriptures and speak to us through the Spirit's interpretation to give us the direction and strength we need to follow Jesus Christ, the shepherd of our souls. Amen. The Old Testament reading today is from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12, found in the Pew Bibles on page 509 and 510. Here is the reading, Psalm 51. To the leader, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and sadness and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Before we get started here, I just wanted to thank everybody for the warm welcome I received this week. It's Uh, Really been great. Everybody I've met, the staff uh, and the congregation members I've had a chance to interact with, just everybody's been very welcoming and warm. Uh, It's been great. And I really can't think of a better way for us to start our ministry together than than sharing the Word of God. So uh, let's let's get started. Our New Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. It can be found in your Pew Bible on page 972. 
So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What signs are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What works are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, may the reading of your word be for us the bread you send from heaven that gives life to the world. So it was as, uh, amen, so is, uh, it was, uh, forgot about the amen. Um, so it was as Chris was telling the kids uh, in 1968 at a large manufacturing company called 3M uh, that a scientist in one of their labs named Steve Silver was attempting to develop a super strong adhesive. Instead, he created this low-tack, reusable, pressure-sensitive adhesive. Uh, but no matter how hard Dr. Silver tried to promote this invention within 3M, no one seemed really interested in it. They really couldn't find any application for it. For six years, nothing happened. Nothing. Then one day, a colleague of Dr. Silver's, Dr. Art Fry, who had heard Steve talk about this new adhesive, had an idea. You see, Art sang in the church choir, and on Wednesday nights, he would go to choir practice, and after practice, he would mark his hymnal with little scraps of paper. Uh, after practice was over, he would have that book, all hymnal, all nicely marked, but the problem was that by the time Sunday morning rolled around, and as the service progressed, those little piece of papers would fall out, and many times he would lose his place. So Art was explaining this to his friend Steve, and so the two scientists thought, well, maybe this would be a good use for that adhesive. So they searched around the different labs in the building, and they found in the lab next door a stack of yellow paper that nobody seemed to be using. So they applied the adhesive to it, and it worked beautifully. Uh, later that week, Art took those samples to choir practice, and soon other choir member members were asking to borrow that special paper. And over the weeks and months that followed, Steve and Art began to notice that in the different labs, 
that certain people were leaving notes and instructions to each other on this yellow, low-tack paper. Well, you, you see where this is going, that out of the need to keep the right hymns marked in a hymn book, the post-it note was born. You know, isn't it amazing how many times in life that we go looking for one kind of solution, and in the process we discover something greater than what we expected. But it sometimes can lead us to sticky situations. And it usually gets really, really sticky when Jesus is involved. Over and over again in our biblical witness, we are shown disciples, strangers, men of authority, women in trouble, people of all walks of life coming to Jesus looking for an answer, a solution to their problem. And most of them don't get what they came looking for because ultimately they were looking for the wrong thing in the first place. Just like our text this morning, the story takes place the day after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has just used five loaves of bread and two small fish to feed 5,000 hungry people. After feeding that large crowd, the disciples get in the boat and head to Capernaum. Jesus saw that it was time to move on as well, time to share the good news with other people. So he went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But the people who had been fed those miraculous loaves and fishes wanted more. They got into their boats or any boat really that they could find and they followed Jesus across the sea. When they caught up to him, they began to ask him questions. They had seen Jesus heal the sick and heal the physical bodies of those that were lame. But for some reason, it was the miraculous feeding that really got their attention. Maybe the healing miracles did not mean much to them because they weren't sick or lame. But hungry, hungry they could understand. So they chased after Jesus in the hopes that he would work more miracles in their presence. Now Jesus is obviously on to this. He knows what they're up to, and he even says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, they were looking for the wrong kind of bread. They were looking for someone who would end their hunger, ensure their physical happiness, give them long lives, free them from their Roman oppressors, this is what some of them hoped for when they saw Christ feeding so many people. That he would, as one writer said, become their bread king. They just didn't see Jesus as he was supposed to be seen. Jesus was doing great miracles, what he called signs. But the people were fixated only on his miracles. The miracles were designed to point people at the man doing them. And they were supposed to prove to people that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of the God Most High. Jesus was more important than his miracles. But the people weren't looking with eyes of faith. They were fixated on the hungry pains in their own bellies. And even as Jesus was teaching and trying to explain it to them, they wanted more. He says that all they must do is believe that he has been sent by the Father to give them that which will grant them eternal life. 
But it's not enough for this hungry crowd. They wanted miracles like Moses had performed in the Old Testament. They wanted bread that would rain down from heaven. They didn't understand that it wasn't Moses who gave the Israelites that bread. It was God. And here, once again, God was giving them bread. Bread meant to open their eyes to Jesus, the living bread. And when the crowd finally began to come around to this idea and understand what Jesus was saying, that the true bread of heaven is what they needed, they cried out to him in one voice, Sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now as I look around and look inside myself, not much has really changed for those of us that follow Jesus. We still chase after the wrong kind of bread. We have in our minds a vision of what we need, and we tend to pursue earthly bread and ignore the living bread. Now please, don't, don't get me wrong. There's nothing sinful or bad about having a good meal, a nice home, a nice car, and a well-funded investment account. And there's nothing wrong or sinful in, in enjoying a good life. But what's sinful is when we focus solely on our physical needs and wants and not on our spiritual needs. It is sinful to ignore the needs of our neighbors and to push them aside so that we can fill our own bellies. We're all guilty of making earthly bread a priority over the living bread. And while we don't need our physical while we do need our physical needs met to survive, they shouldn't be the focus of our lives. The Apostle Paul says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. He doesn't say that money is evil, but that the love of money is evil. And when we love money, when we love our things, the things that we have created or purchased over God, we are neglecting the food that we really need. Sometimes when we chase after God, we often chase him for the wrong reasons. We focus on our daily needs. We ask God if he'll perform some kind of sign or miracle so that we can see that he's our bread king. We seek blessing, success, health, and wealth. And if we don't get what we want, well, we just assume that that means that God really isn't the king that we thought he was. We keep looking for those signs, all the while not realizing that the sign has already been given. And it's been given in the bread of life. Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, there's nothing wrong with seeking some earthly bread. And like he did for the Israelites, God provides for our daily living, which we acknowledge each and every day when we say the Lord's Prayer. He is the provider of all good things, and we praise him for what he has given us. But this daily bread that we receive, be it bread or milk or meat or some other kind of food, will eventually spoil and must be thrown out. Likewise, so much of the stuff that we spend our lives accumulating will eventually wear out and either be discarded or replaced. Jesus points us to the food that is found in him, the food that never spoils, never gets lost, never wears out, never needs replacing. Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, 
which the Son of Man will give you. This bread, the bread that Jesus gives us, is what nourishes us spiritually. We can eat well and take care of ourselves, but eventually we all will die. The bread that Christ provides, however, nourishes our spiritual lives so that we will live forever. A couple of nights uh, before I left Lynchburg, my son Raleigh, who lives in Lynchburg, and I decided to cook dinner together. We grilled out two really nice steaks. We had twice baked potatoes, salad, and bread. But when I woke up the next morning, I was hungry. In fact, most of us will eat three, maybe four meals a day. And what happens? We get hungry. But the bread of life is different because once we partake of that bread, our spiritual hunger and thirst will be forever satisfied. It almost sounds too easy, but the truth is that we ourselves can't do anything on our own. All we can do is simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to give us eternal life. All we can do is listen to the word of God and look at the signs that Christ has performed then and now and be guided by the Holy Spirit who will lead us to the living bread from heaven. And now he feeds us as we come to him in faith, trusting that his bread is the only bread that gives eternal life and the bread that only he can provide because he is the only source of the living bread. So where do we find this living bread in Christ today? Because that's where we must go. Because where the work of Christ is being done through prayer, through worship, through fellowship, through mission, the bread of life is being served. All are welcome to come and partake of the living bread. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.